These are the words of Jesus. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a non-believer, a Gentile, or to a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two or if two or more of you on earth uh, agree about anything that they have asked, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. This is a hard saying of Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a topic, uh, honestly, this may come across strange to you, but one I'm passionate about. I'm actually very passionate about Matthew 18. And I'll tell you, the, the, the reality of Matthew 18 is that there's really no guesswork here. There's nothing I need to spend, you know, uh, 20 minutes uh, breaking down in the Greek. You know, it, it, we're talking about the way of Jesus, right? We're talking about the, the, the way of Jesus. And, and, and you just saw about the fact that Jesus was always truthful. Today, there's, there's not a lot to say other than what's been said. So what does it really mean? Today, I'm going to talk to you about how to obey God when relationships become fractured. And, and, and that's, that applies to everyone. Inside church, outside church, family, work, cousins, you name it. How do, how do we obey God when relationships become fractured? In the way of Jesus, we found six uh, lifestyle themes. These are, these are the six, and we go over them every Sunday. But I really believe there's a connection between the two. Jesus was always truthful, but I'm going to even go so far as to say I think this overlaps with kingdom first. Because Jesus, Jesus put the kingdom first, and he told us to put the kingdom first when it t- talks with how we relate to one another. This, this is something that is, uh, if you notice what he said in Matthew 18, uh, verse, verse 15, he said, if your brother sins against you, he's not talking to the whole world. Did you pick up on that? He's not talking to all of America or all of Pakistan or, or all of some province in Asia Minor. He's talking to the people of God. This is a word for the people of God, that we are to live differently and we're to act differently and we're to have values differently. This was spoken to what would later become known as Christians. How do we obey God when relationships become fractured? And I'm going to tell you, relationships are going to become fractured, right? Live life long enough, you're going to see a lot of relationship fracturing. And I'll give you three quick reasons. Number one, sin's a reality, Sin is a reality. Sin has touched all of us, right? I've said it many times. You and I both, we are solutions to the problem, and we are part of the problem, right? There are times I create the problem, and there's times I'm solutions to the problem. But the reality is, if you're going to be living in this world, sin's a reality. But I want to tell you more importantly than that, I think we've got to learn how to, we've got to, learn how to navigate this, you guys, because uh, the number two, human nature is diverse, 
I mean, we are so diverse. And by the way, if you're, if you're thinking, you know, people have strange thoughts. I've always said there's, there's two sermons I preach every Sunday. The sermon I actually preached and the sermon that you heard, right? All right? And sometimes never the two meet. It's really weird how that works out, okay? Nothing's going on in the church. And Jason's not, you know, there's not, not, not that I know of. I, you know, take that back. Yes, there is something going on in the church. I have no idea what it is. There's always something going on in the church because the church is a place where drama thrives, and that's every church, right? But I'm not preaching this like I don't do code. You know, people sometimes have wondered, you know, is Jason speaking in code? Man, I, I, I got up at like 6 o'clock this morning. I didn't have time to think about code. I'm just talking to you about the Word of God. God here, and, and the rela- reality is that I think this is a good time to talk about it because, you know, we don't have anything brewing or nothing like that, but human nature is diverse, man, you know, and, and, and you get a bunch of people together, it leads to number three, life up close is an ecosystem for tension. Life up close, you know what you can do, man? You can come to this church and, you know, you can, no, no matter where you sit, you can sit on the margins, of church life, and, and, and you can probably do just fine, but if you're going to actually live the way God told us to live, which is one another, we did a whole sermon series on the one another's, if you're going to do the life of one another, it's going to get weird, and there's times, I promise you, hang around me long enough, I am going to frustrate you, and I promise you this, you've already frustrated me, <laughs> you know, I'm serious, I'm, I can tell you the places I'm probably going to frustrate you. Ask some of my staff. They can name the places I'm going to frustrate you, right? And I can name that stuff. That doesn't threaten me. That's life. Man, that is life. Why, why do we freak out about that? I, I, it just, it's, it's one of those things. But I think this is why I'm so passionate. I'm going to get worked up this morning. I can already tell, you know. I'm going to get worked up about this because I believe the heart of it matters so much. I think it matters so much. God God gave you, the Lord Jesus Christ gave you a strategy. He gave you a strategy for what to do. Are you listening? He gave you a strategy for what to do when you get sideways with somebody. And you are going to, so that's a, you ready for Jesus' strategy? This is the strategy that Jesus gave you, starting in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, that is, your another Christian sins against you, verse 15, go and show them their fault in private. Number one, God commands me to go in person. Did you notice that this wasn't a suggestion? I'm going to let that sit on you for a minute. Jesus didn't say, go if you feel like it. He didn't say, I've heard this one, well, they're never going to receive me. I don't see that anywhere in Matthew 18. You don't go on the hopes that, well, I'll go, if, but they're not going to hear me. How do you know that? Why don't you give them the chance to prove that? Don't speculate. In fact, it's not even about, in fact, I don't see anywhere in Matthew 18 that Jesus is talking to you about their attitude at all. He's talking about yours. And he said, go in private. Go in private. You know why I think this is? Now, you're not going to find this tucked away in Leviticus somewhere. This is just a little bit of Jason coming at you right now. I'll tell you why I think Jesus starts with private. Because our God has always been a personal God. 
He's always, what did the Bible say when Jesus went to the cross? The veil of the temple was torn in two. What was that symbolic of? That now you have direct access to God. You have direct access to God. He's always been a personal God. Now, yes, he does work in institutions, and yes, he does work over governments and all of that, but Jesus came, and the Bible says he pitched his tent among us. He literally walked among the people. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to be close to one another. And that's just how it's going to work. I believe that our God operates personally. And, and I think that it's very, very, very important that we take him at his word here. But I will, I will tell you this, Christian friends. You're never going to see God heal relationships using ways that he doesn't use to heal relationships. Did you hear me? You're never going to find the favor of God using methods that he doesn't favor. Does that make sense? And so let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you some things I, that God hasn't called you to do, right? Because we, we treat, I have found so many Christians, i got to back off. I feel like I'm yelling. I shouldn't be. I'm really passionate about this, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Because it goes deep with me. You see, I think we live in a world... I don't know what's happened to us in our society, but it feels like to me at least, and maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like to me that we've forgotten how to treat each other. In the advent of social media, you know, we just blast managers of, you know, Chipotle or something. You know, you just, you know, ramrod somebody that, you know, hey, I didn't get what I want. And then all your friends say, oh, yeah, I'm boycotting them too. They should have never treated you like that. You know, it's just crazy the way we treat each other now. We've lost civility. And then, you know, it, 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 people, people, have strange, people have strange reactions to you going to them personally. So I've even heard it called bullying. What? <laughs> no, this person's trying to talk to you. It's not heavy-handed. It's actually called very Christ-like. So we've forgotten. Because I think what we do is we tend to use corporate models to fix biblical solutions. And that's never going to work. I, I drew this out for you because I'm just a picture kind of guy. Look, it's not that. It is that. God's not calling his church to handle things corporately on the individual level. See, we're called to go one to another. And I'll tell you, it's never, God's never going to call us to use corporate methods like trying to get somebody fired. You know, it blows my mind at how sometimes Christians bypass the word of God altogether. I, I, I've, told, I've told our staff, hands down, you get sideways with another staff member, don't come to me. You know what the first thing I'm going to say? Did you go to them? Because I'm not even hearing it. If you don't care enough to talk to each other, then you don't care. Or you're just trying to get them in trouble, which that's, that's actually going to work the other way. I'm going to be upset with you. Because we're called to live one to another. And that, that, that works both ways, by the way, since I'm on the topic of church. If you ever get sideways with a staff member... I have told our personnel committee, now I don't know if it's up to them if they do it or not, but I've, I've told them, I think your first response should be, did you go to Alexis about this? Don't come to me. 
Why? I'm not going to be a partner in your sin. I'm not going to do that. Did you go to Jennifer Helton on that? Did you go to Tracy Sellers? If you're upset with her, why are you coming to me? This is outside the word of God. We're not to treat each other this way. We are to treat each other one to another. You know why I think this is here? Because 99 times out of 100, you guys, if you go to the person that hurt your feelings or somebody that you're sideways with, 99 times out of 100, maybe 99 and a half times out of 100, it all works out. It all works out. Oh, I didn't even know I said that. I said that. Yeah, you said it in the meeting. You sure did. To you? I don't even remember it. Well, you did, and I've been mad for seven years. Well, geez, I didn't know that, right? I'm telling you, when you go to the person that works itself out, most of the time, it really does. God hasn't ordained us reporting one another, and God hasn't ordained us ghosting each other either. You know what, that's, okay, let me translate that for you for everybody over like 50, you know. When you have young kids like I do, when they text each other and then something doesn't go right, they just don't text back, that's called ghosting, right? Oh, you know. I've learned a lot about texting with uh, teenagers in the house. You know, you can't put periods at the end of sentences. Did you all know that rule? That's a big deal, evidently. Yeah, you're like, what? Yeah. You put a period at the end of a sentence, like, oh, your dad's mad. Like, it's like definitive. No, it's called grammar. I, I just, punctuation. You know, exclamation point. I don't know. You know, do I use small caps? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to, I, I get really weird. I get some weird responses. One, Cole one time saw one of his buddies, saw, oh, your dad's upset with you. Why? He put a period down. He's like, oh, that's just my dad. He, he texts very formally, <laughs> you know. It's like a treaty or something, you know. I don't know, it's just grammar and persuasion. I don't know. I, was, I thought you're supposed to use that, you know. I do sign my name to text messages, which is kind of strange, but I don't really know why. I don't really know why. Like, you didn't know where it came from. I don't know why I do that, but I do. But no, the, 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 the truth of the matter is we don't ghost each other. You don't see your brother or sister in Kroger and go to aisle four. That is never the way we're to operate. One, We are never going to be a church if we, like, Go to, like, the produce section if you know the other person's in the frozen section. We're never going to be the people of God. We, we are going to be sideways, man. Let me tell you, let me tell you why I'm so passionate about this. Because I watch what happens, and I get a front row seat at what happens when Christians do not know how to biblically navigate broken relationships or fractured ones or strained ones. Listen, if something is strained, it's on its way to being fractured. It won't go the other way. And if something is fractured, it's on its way to being broken. It doesn't go the other way. And I, I, I'm, I'm, this is a word I'm going to talk... In our next service, you know, we have a lot of students in there, and I'm going to talk to them just as strongly because they've got to learn how to biblically navigate life like this or they're, or they're going to be, they're, they're, we're doing them a disservice if we don't teach them how to operate in a family situation. It, it, it matters to me because what, let me tell you what's going to happen. This is why I'm so passionate about it. If I believe that the people of God have honestly just refused 
to do what Jesus said. I'm serious. I have watched so many Christians that have come to me in my 30-plus years of ministry telling, asking me what to do in about a relationship situation. I'm like, go to that person. Oh, I'm not doing that. Well, that you're directly violating the Word of God then. Jesus told you what to do, and you won't do it. And so... So I'm passionate because what I see happens if, if something, because what begins to happen if you get sideways with somebody or, or even sideways with me or, or in your mind with, with one of our staff members or we're sideways with you or, or you're on a committee with somebody and y- y'all start to kind of get friction or, or maybe something happens down in kids' ministry. I mean, there's a lot that happens down in kids' ministry. Let's just face it. You know, you got all kinds. You saw those kids up there. I mean, those were Pentecostals in the making right there. You know, you know. They, they, there's all kinds of stuff going to happen down there, right? But we've, we've got we've to teach ourselves. And, but the first thing we have to do is be committed to the Word. And being committed to the Word. Because if we're not, then we're creating recipes for sin. And let me tell you how that happens. You ready for this? If, here's what I know, and I'm telling you this to be true. I've watched it too many times as a minister. If you're not willing to follow the Word of God when you get sideways with somebody, sin is going to start happening. And let me tell you, almost always, not 100% of the time, almost always, almost always, that situation is lending itself to the sin of gossip. Almost always. Because when you're hurt, you talk about it. Because you're human. You're not a bad person. You're human. And when you're hurt, who do you go to? One of your closest friends. Guess what they have? Other close friends. Everybody's got a best friend. So you go to that person. And I mean, there is a reason the book of James calls gossip a what? Wildfire. It is a wildfire that gets out of control in nowhere. But I will tell you what gossip is. This matters to God because gossip is murder. Listen to me, Christian friends. Gossip is murder. It's the, it's the, it's the assassination of the, of the reputation of another person. I define gossip for you because we don't. none of us see ourselves as gossips. Let me tell you what gossip is. I'm calling it a verb because it's active. And I see in my heart that gossip is a demonic attempt to alter another person's life by manipulating their thoughts. That's what gossip is. Gossip isn't you chatting it up in the back channels. That's what it looks like. Let me tell you what's at the root of gossip, all right? So I'm going to use Mark Baird. Y'all guys are going to quit sitting on the front row because this is where the people get you. It's the first person I see. So Mark hasn't done anything. I love Mark Baird. He's a complete man of God. I love him to death, right? I, I, so I'm totally making this up. This is off the cuff. So let's say that Mark is upset with, oh, let's pick Charlie again. Again. All right, Charlie always gets it. Let's say Mark is upset with Charlie, right? And Mark comes to me because he's wanting to rip Charlie up. Or he's telling me something's bad about... You know what that is? He is attempting to change the way I see Charlie. And I'm human. And even if I choose to reject what Mark is saying, that's still in there. 
I can't unsee it. But I've been told half the story. So now, what am I going to do? Believe half the story? Mark's side of the story? Or I can go to Charlie. and Mark's talking about it. What? Right? No. I told you that all of it goes away when you go one-on-one. Guess what? If Mark goes to Charlie, Charlie goes to Mark, then I never know about it. The gossip gates don't get opened. And all of a sudden, restoration is possible. Jesus told us how to deal with this stuff. But it doesn't work if you don't do it. It doesn't work if you don't do it. Now, so we'll say, Jason, what do I do if, if somebody comes to me, like one of my friends, right? One of my friends uh, comes to me and, and, and they, they need advice. Well, then listen to them. You know, well, okay, I, I mean, that's what we do. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people come to me, man, I'm kind of having struggles with this person. What do I do? And then you listen, but you say, listen, at the end of the day, we're not ever talking about this again unless you go. Let me tell you why I say that gossip is murder. You know why? Look at what Proverbs 18 says. Look at what Proverbs 18 says. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The Bible says that you and I have an instrument of death in our, in our own possession, and it is called your tongue. We also have an instrument of life in our possession. It's all choosing in how we do it. You can bring death to a relationship. You can bring death to a person's character if you want to. The Bible tells us that gossip is murder. And so Jesus said, no, no, no. He commands us to go. He commands us to go. But, but there's a reason he commands us to go, right? He commands us to go. But, it, but look at what he says in verse 16. 15, we'll just read 15 to 16 again. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he doesn't listen to you, then take a couple of more with you so that now you've upped the game. And and, in effect, there's witnesses to what's going on. It's, It's escalated a little bit. But why would he tell us to go? And if he, notice he uses the word, you've won your brother. Well, it lends itself to the second truth of God's strategy. Go, he commands you to go. He didn't suggest, he commands you to go in person. Number two, that God sends me with a heart to reconcile. You see, that's at the heart of why you do this. We're we're called to be reconcilers. We're not called, you guys, it is not natural for people to live in, in Christian community mad at each other for 17 years. That is not natural. Or 17 minutes. It is not the way, it is not the way of Jesus. It is not the it, listen, you're gonna get frustrated with me, and I'm gonna get frustrated with you, and you may even get downright mad at somebody, and they may get downright mad at you. But nothing, nothing should cause us to just square off emotionally, never to again talk again. That is not the way of Jesus. The disciples got mad at each other. My gosh, they were even arguing at times over who's going to be the greatest in heaven. You think Jesus was like, these, they're a lost cause. I mean, why? I, God, why did you? Father, can you? Can, I want to hear some of those prayers, like in you know, the books of the Bible you never, that were never written, like when Jesus is like, really? You gave me them? Because they're human. They're human people, and you're human. 
And, and we can live in biblical community if we want to, but we, we have to have a heart of reconciling. And I'll tell you, if, if you go in private or if you have to go, this, this is a, a big step to take a couple of people with you. It takes actual effort because the goal is restoration because that person, that relationship is getting further. What was once stressed becomes fractured and what was once fractured becomes broken. But you're never ever to go to prove a point. That is not the goal, man. The goal is not to put somebody in their place. The goal is not to embarrass somebody. The goal is saying, hey, it is never to embarrass somebody. It is never to, to make the situation worse. It is always, 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 always to make the situation one where things have been restored right? Where things have been restored. Now, you know what? Let's just be honest about it. If you've ever seen this play out in your own life or even in life within a fellowship, you know that sometimes it takes a long time for that relationship to get back to where it was. And every now and then, it may not ever get back to that. But that's, that, that, that's up to the Lord. People take time. Words were said or a situation was something happened Something happened, and, but I'm, I'm going to tell you why this matters to God. It matters to God in the context of a church because we cannot exist if we cannot love rightly. We cannot exist if we cannot love rightly. We, we, our church can't function. No church you can go to can function if we can't learn to love rightly. So Jesus says, go in person. He says, go with a few more, if, if it's not working out, and that person, and then there's a, but there's a third component in verse 16. It says, if you take two or three with you, and then in verse 17, it says, if that person refuses to listen even then, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, let them be as a non believer, treat them as such. You know why? That's a strong word, isn't it? So the third step, I would say, is God wants me to trust him with the outcome. God wants me to trust him with the outcome. Listen to me, Christian friends. In, in nowhere in Matthew 18 are you commanded that you are to fix the problem. It takes two to fix the problem. You're just commanded to do your part. Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live, on, live at peace with everyone. Paul said that, right? As far as it depends on you, on you. Now, you can't control somebody else's attitude. You can't control somebody else's emotions. But God's gonna ha- you just got to trust God with the outcome. You, you, just ha- you just have to trust God with the outcome, and I'll tell you why. Why, why. why would Jesus say something so severe as treat them as a non-believer? I'll tell you why. Because that person is choosing to live and remain in outright rebellion. That's why. That, that person has been gone to by you and then a few other people, and then they're not, they're not hearing it from anybody. They, they're, they're remaining in their sin because the situation is unreconciled or, or maybe sometimes that you're seeing somebody sin within the fellowship and you're to go to them privately and it doesn't work. You take a couple of people with you, it doesn't work because they're choosing to remain in outright rebellion. And you've got to trust God with the outcome. You just, you just have to trust God with the outcome. By the way, in my years of ministry, I've never seen it go to level three. I've seen it come close a few times. That is going to the church. 
First level, personally. Second level, couple people. Third level, taking it in front of the church. I, I've never seen it get that far. Because most of the time, once somebody is approached about this sin or about this problem, most of the time they check out. They, they just leave. But you just got to trust God with the outcome. You've done everything you can to reconcile. Don't lose sight of that. It is about reconciliation. It is about restoring. And what a beautiful picture. If, if, let me tell you something. If you ever have some Christians come to you over something they see in your life, that is the greatest definition of love I've ever seen. Because they see you about to walk off a cliff, man. You're going to take people with you. Or you're going to get scars. You're going to hurt. Man, I've had brothers come to me over my lifetime and say, man, I, 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 there's an attitude there that shouldn't be. And I have to tell myself, Jason, you need to, not only do you need to listen, you need to have gratitude. Because they're seeing a blind spot that you don't see. So let me tell you, let's move this thing a little bit. Jesus gave us the strategy, but let's ask a bigger question. Why does this matter to God? I mean, is, he, is Jesus just wanting us to be nice? Right? I mean, is that the goal? I just want you all to go along to get along. That's not what Jesus is after. Why in the world? Have you, you ever think about this? There's a lot of options in Scripture. There's a lot of stories in Scripture that, that didn't make it. There's a, there's a lot of places in Scripture that, that, for whatever reason, stories... I ask myself the question all the time. Of all the things Jesus said, why did this one make it? Why did this one make it? Why did this story make it? Why did this teaching make it? I think this teaching make, made it because it is central to every human being's life. It, it, it is here because we are all going to face this with our families, with our kids, with, our, with the, the girl that our son married and her mother. Getting a little close to home for some of y'all, you know. That brother, when daddy died, and your brother married somebody and she's telling you that the survey's wrong on the land and she wants more because they deserve more. See how real to life this stuff gets in a hurry? Jesus told us how to handle these kind of things. But here's why it matters to God most. Because we're his people. We are not called to solve kingdom issues with secular solutions. Secular solutions are to write people off. Secular solutions are to ghost somebody. Secular solutions are to report somebody and get them fired. Secular solutions are just to confront, you know, gossip about them. Listen, anybody, you do, that's the way of the world. But it's not the way of Jesus. Jesus prayed something in John 17 that's always been interesting to me. I put it on the screen for you. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying. It's a very famous prayer. It's a very long prayer that Jesus prayed. And Jesus said, I am praying not only for those disciples, for these disciples, 
But he's actually praying for you and me. He said, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you, friend. And this is what he's praying. Now he tells you what he's asking God for. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. Let's stop right there for a minute. We are called to be one because that represents the relationship Jesus has with the Father. So this matters because we're to be one because it mirrors the relationship that Jesus has with the Father. And we represent Jesus. And if we're going to represent Jesus, then we need to represent him. So we're called to be one because that's the basis of the Father and the Son. And look at what he says. I pray that we'll be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me and Father and I am in you. And then there's this last line that always sticks with me. I'm praying that they will be one, he says. And may they, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. You know what he's saying, don't you? He's saying that when Christians attack each other and when Christians have broken fellowship, it blocks the gospel message. It blocks the gospel message. I'm praying that you and I will be one and that they will be in us so the world will believe that you sent me. I believe with all my heart that when other people see that are outside the faith, when they see all of us at each other or when they hear about drama in the church, they're like, man, I can get that at the pub. And I can live however I want too as well. I don't have to have accountability. I can get, I can get that down at Legends Club. I, I, can, go, I can go join Bell Mead. I, I can go join the Elk Lodge. Man, I can play bunko with a million people and not have any biblical accountability. I can get that anywhere else in life. Why do I need to be a part of that? That's no different than the whole rest of this world. But we're called to be different. And we're called to live one to another. See, I think it blocks the gospel message. But more than anything, it misrepresents the heart of God. You know, a lot of you... A lot of you came out of families that it might be being very generous and to just say it was dysfunctional. <laughs> some of you, some of you, you know, your family is a reality show. I have parts of that in some of my extended family. I'm not exempt that way. But when we step through the cross, through the open grave, and are now filled with the Spirit and called to be in God's family, when we, then we are called not to mirror the dysfunction of the earthly family. Oh, we have dysfunction. We're called to handle it differently because that's the kind of people that we're called to be. We are simply not called to mirror those outside the faith when we have disputes. We are called to be a restoring people. 
You know, as I looked at, as I was putting this together, I kept looking at this image. Look at this uh, cracked pavement. And I, I was sitting there at my computer, and I just kept staring at that image, and I thought, you know, now what is that? That's cracked pavement with a Band-Aid over it. Kind of a hopeless attempt, really, it might look like. But you know, you know what occurred to me in looking at that? Is that Band-Aid didn't grow there. Somebody had to put it there. Restoration and reconciliation doesn't just happen. Magic. No. Somebody has to want it. And maybe today, God has been calling you to be the person that puts that Band-Aid over the crack. Has there been a name float to your mind today? The devil's not going to put that name there. Has there been a situation that's come to your heart today, somewhere in this, that you're like, I don't want to think about that? Listen, there's been a lot of people praying for an awakening at Clearview for years. But I'll tell you how it won't come. It'll never come if we choose to sit in our bitterness, hurt, and anger. It'll never come. It'll never come. That's why I told you that I believe this applies to kingdom first. Because it'll never come. If you're mad at your dad, who's been dead for seven years, if you're upset with a staff member that was here eight years ago, and you got church hurt. If you're upset with somebody in your small group and you don't want to deal with it, it'll never come. I'm telling you, it'll never come. Because we are redeemed people and we're called to be reconciled one to another. You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world, you'd be amazed at how many people would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook, or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform, but I would challenge you to look around your world. I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them. Man, send it to them, and you'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.